All right. Well, good morning. I, uh, as always, uh, am excited to be with you this morning as we examine God's Word together. And it's Christmas, right? I mean, I was uh, I was talking with uh, some people on uh, Friday morning. I said, I mean, it's Christmas. How can you mess this up, right? I mean, it's Christmas. Everybody's in a good mood. I want to I want to end up asking us. Uh, two questions, but before we do that, I just want to tell you a little bit about our series. Over the next four weeks, uh, we're, our Christmas series is entitled The Christmas Playlist, Songs of the Season, and we will be examining in Scripture various songs that were spoken or sung uh, throughout the uh, beginning of Luke's Gospel. It's going to be an exciting time. There are you know, a million different ways to approach Christmas um, but this is uh, something that I've personally never heard before, so I hope it will be a blessing to you, too, as we examine uh, the songs of the season from the Word of God. Before we do that, I want to ask you two questions this morning. The first question is, what is your favorite Christmas song? What is your favorite Christmas song? Ah, that's my favorite, too. I'm going to give you 10 seconds to tell the person next to you what your favorite Christmas song is. Go ahead. What's your favorite Christmas song? Nice. (laughs) All right, now I need to ask a follow-up question to that. This isn't the second main question we're going to ask today, but this question has been known to uh, cause great controversy. When is it okay to start listening to Christmas music? Now, now I, th- I think there are four schools of thought. I'm going to have you raise your hand for these ones. And, you know, I, I don't want to, uh, to, to wreck any homes or families or anything over this. But um, how many of you would say, hey, Christmas music all year? <laughs> Bring it out anytime. Awesome. How many of you would say... Um, Maybe the day after Thanksgiving. That's acceptable. Okay, most of you, okay. Uh, December 1st, kind of the same ballpark, but December 1st. How about uh, any Scrooges say bah humbug on the whole Christmas song? Anybody willing to do that? (laughs) Okay. Um, But the reason why I ask you what your favorite Christmas song is is because of our series. Today we're going to be looking at Mary's song in the book of Luke. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn there. Before we do that, I want to do another fun activity related to uh, Christmas songs. This is one of my favorite activities. Maybe you have a holiday party or, or a get-together or something, and as a family or as a group, you like to play a game. One of my favorite holiday games is uh, to rename Christmas songs and then try to guess what the actual song is. So I have a few of us we're going to play today. I have six such songs for Christmas songs Rename. So I'm going to give you uh, the name that has been reworded, and hopefully you will come up with what the actual name of the song is. Now, if you're confused, let's just look at the first one, and hopefully it will become clear to you. So song number one, move hitherwards the entire assembly of those who are steadfast. The answer, yes, is, O come, all ye faithful. Are we understanding now how the game hopefully... Works. All right, let's try another one. Song number two, Hush, the celestial messengers produce harmonious sounds. 
You guys are excellent. Hark the herald angels sing. Number three, proceed to declare something upon a specific geographical alpine formation. (laughs) Go tell it on the mountain. Very good. Next, during the time bovine caretakers supervise their charges past midnight. (laughs) While shepherds watch their flocks by night is correct. I wouldn't it be interesting, though, to actually try to fit all of these words into the song as you were singing it. That would be a real challenge. Two, yeah, two more. What offspring abides thus? The answer, of course, what child is this? And I couldn't resist this one. Pre- present me not but dual incisors for this festive holiday. <laughs> all I want for Christmas is my two front teeth. Right. Couldn't resist. Had to throw one of those in there. That's a fun thing I like to do at Christmas time, but as we think about this idea of Christmas songs, my second question to you, and this is maybe one you've never been asked before, but I'm going to ask it to you today. We looked at, I asked you moments ago, what is your favorite Christmas song? My question to you now, and what I'm going to ask you at the very end of our time together this morning is, what is your Christmas song? Not your favorite, not the one that you you like to listen to on the radio, not the one you like to sing in church. You personally today, what is your Christmas song? We all have one. Ways we've seen God move this time of year as we think about what God has done for us through the birth of Jesus. We all have a Christmas song to share. We're going to start this week looking at Mary's song, but keep that question back, tucked back in your mind. What is your Christmas song? All right, we're in Luke chapter 1. We're going to begin reading in verse 26. Uh, this is just a bit of the background before we actually get to Mary's song. Now, the beginning of Luke 1, we start to read about Zechariah and the birth of John the Baptist, and Zechariah has his own song that he sings, so we are going to look at that next week, and we'll look at some of the uh, introductory material to that as well at that time together. But for now, for this week, for Mary's song, we're going to start in verse 26. I'm going to be reading from the NIV. Let's read. In the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went, on to, to her, went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will be with child and give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who was said to be barren is in her sixth month, 
for nothing is impossible with God. I'm the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May it be to me as you have said. Then the angel left her. At that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea, where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that what the Lord has said to her will be accomplished. So here we have the background to Mary, who is in the next verse going to begin her song. As I thought about this background, I thought about, okay, how am I going to relate to Mary? And I decided I'm not. (laughs) So what I've done is I've asked Dana to come up, and she's going to share some insight from her perspective about uh, Mary and and being visited by the angel and what must have been going on in her mind. Thank you, Dana. So being a mother helps me to approach the Christmas account in a little bit of a different perspective. I can understand what it's like to be pregnant and to understand that the baby I'm carrying is a great blessing. Um, However, it also gives me a new appreciation for Mary. Uh, Women's and babies and a stable do not compare. Um, There's no comparison. Recently, I was asked to speak at a mom's meeting from the perspective of Mary. And so I began to study Luke one. And God spoke to my heart through studying Mary. And so I'm going to share with you just some of the challenge that uh, God gave me. And hopefully that personal challenge might challenge you as well. Uh, in Luke 1:28, it tells us that the angel visited Mary and said, greetings to you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Later in verse 30, the angel again says, Mary, don't be afraid. You have found favor with God. See, Mary's just an ordinary common girl. But somehow, 2,000 years later, we're still talking about her. And here again, the angel says twice that she is highly favored. So from that, I think it's worth looking at Mary and her life and what makes this ordinary common girl highly favored by God. Um, The angel goes on to explain that she'll be with child and give birth to a son, and she has to give him the name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. So Mary then wonders, how could this be since she's a virgin? Certainly not the uh, news she had anticipated receiving that day. The angel goes on and says, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God, for nothing is impossible with God. Mary's response to the angel in verse 38, I think, is what has struck me the most. She responds, I am the Lord's servant. May it be to me, as you have said. Uh, The news Mary received that day certainly was good news, but it definitely complicated things. She was planning to be married soon. I'm sure never in a million years did she imagine that she would be pregnant before that, with the Messiah, no less. What a huge honor and privilege to be chosen to be the mother of the Messiah, but sometimes I don't think that we consider what a huge price it must have come with. Uh, Think about it. Mary had remained pure 
and she was waiting to be to uh, be married to Joseph. She had done things the way God had instructed her to do, and now she would be found to be pregnant. How was she going to explain that one? What would people say? How would she tell Joseph? I'm sure that none of this was what she had planned. See, one thing I'm learning is that God's plan is often complicated. I like things tidy, simple, well-planned, no bumps in the road, and everything neatly planned out. However, God has a way of allowing bumps in the road to accomplish his great purposes, and his plan is often very different than mine. Uh, The summer of 2015 was one of those bumps in the road for me. Uh, At that point, our daughter Haley was 13, and uh, Zachary, our son, was 9, and everything was going along just as had planned. Uh, When the kids were little, I stayed home with them, and just about the time Zachary started in school, a part-time Spanish position opened up at the school. Uh, teaching Spanish is one of my passions. And, uh, and as Zachary was in school more, there were more opportunities for me to, to be involved at school there. Um, I was involved with Jonathan's ministry, uh, youth ministry, which is another one of my passions. And everything was working out just as I had planned uh, until uh, early July evening, I took a pregnancy test and found out that I was pregnant. Things were about to get complicated. See, having another baby was completely not part of my plan. Uh, that was not the way things were to go. It was not what the next few years were to look like. To say I freaked out would be mild. Uh, This baby was not part of my plan, but I had in the back of my mind the realization that while I had done everything I thought possible to prevent this from happening, it must be God's plan. Um, I think one of the parts of this Christmas account that blows me away is how Mary's response to the angel, who had just told her her life is about to get complicated. She says, I am the Lord's servant. May it be to me as you have said. Wow. My reaction to a change of plans was much different than that. I wondered what would people say? How could I handle this? What was going to happen? I think Mary's reaction is due to three correct perspectives that she had. First off, Mary saw and understood who she was. She says, I am the Lord's servant. That implies that she was giving up any rights that she thought she had. Um, to do what God had determined was best. She acknowledges that she is the Lord's servant. Now, the other part of that is she says she's the Lord's servant. She's not just some lowly servant of somebody, but she is a privileged servant of the Most High God. So she understands her place in this. She is a servant of the Most High God. The second thing that Mary understood was she understood who God is. Matt's going to focus on Mary's song later on in this chapter, and a lot of that talks about Mary's perspective on who God is, so I'm going to let Matt talk about that. But when I focus on who God is instead of my circumstances, then I can see, as the angel stated, that nothing is impossible with God. And Mary's third correct perspective, I think, uh, is that she understands God's plan is best, In Isaiah 55, verses 8 and 9, God tells us, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, 
Neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. See, I can see the here and now and what I think is best for me, but God sees the beginning and the end and the complicated middle and how it all works together. My perspective is so much smaller than his. So again, I was greatly challenged by Mary's response. On a daily basis, as things big and small interrupt my day and my plans, I want to have Mary's perspective. I am the Lord's servant. May it be to me as you have said. God sees the beginning. God sees the end. And he sees how it all gets worked out in the middle. I simply need to trust and to understand who I am, who he is, and that his plan is good, even when I can't figure out how in the world it's going to all work together. That's not my job. In our case, Wesley has completely complicated our lives. The schedule of a 15-year-old and now 11-year-old and a 1-year-old don't mix well together. Um, life is complicated, but people have said crazy things. Haley and I have been shopping and with Wesley, and they've asked me how it feels to be a grandmother. Um, you know, uh, but Wesley has also brought great joy to our lives. And I understand that while not part of my plan, he was part of God's plan. And I believe that God has a special purpose for him, uh, in life, you know, but sometimes our bumps in the road aren't so cute, are they? Uh, they might include sickness or maybe the loss of a job or, uh, other things that are really difficult, And in those circumstances, too, I am trying to make Mary's perspective mine. And I am trying to trust that God's ways are higher than mine, that he sees the beginning and the end, that I am the Lord's servant. May it be to me, as you have said, because you are mighty. You are my provider, you are a promise keeper, and you are merciful. And I hope that somehow the challenge that God gave me from his word might be a challenge to you this morning too. Thank you. Thank you. Mary had a song to share. As you think about Mary's, you heard from Dana, as I listened to Dana and was encouraged by that, I think, wow, what a an example and a testimony that Mary has in the place that God had brought her. She has a song to share. Again, what is your Christmas song? Let's look at this song now. We're going to be starting in verse 46 of Luke chapter 1, and we're going to read the song first, and then we're going to look at it in four parts. So let's read Luke 1, 46 to 56, and it says, And Mary said, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servants. From now on, all generations will call me blessed, for the Mighty One has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arms. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty." 
He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, even as he said to our fathers. Mary stayed with Elizabeth for about three months and then returned home. So here we see Mary's song. We're going to look at Mary's song in four parts. Before we get into that, I would encourage you, I want to share with you, there might even be a note in your Bible that compares this text with 1 Samuel chapter 2, verses 1 through 10, Hannah's song of thanksgiving. I would encourage you, as you go about your week, to look up that passage, 1 Samuel 2, 1 to 10, and compare Mary's song with Hannah's because they're very similar, and I know that that will be an encouragement to you. I'd also like to point out that there are 12 Old Testament passages that Mary's song uh, invokes or refers to, 12. So before we get into her song, I just want you to know that this song is not random, that even God's selection of Mary is not random. She was someone who was ordinary, yes, but had a very sincere love for God and for his word. I want to challenge you with that. But let's look at the four parts of Mary's song. The first part is verses 46 to 48. Mary praised God for what he had done for her. Mary praised God for what he had done for her. Verses 46 to 48. And Mary said, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed. Her first focus, as she thought about all of these things that are about to happen to her, her primary focus, the first place she turned, was God. God was at the forefront of her mind. No matter what circumstance was brought into her life, even by God himself, she was going to stay focused on him. It's interesting to note that verses 46 and 47 form a very nice parallelism. This is a a very common theme in Hebrew poetry. The idea that uh, like things are repeated. It's a point of emphasis for us that she is glorifying God for what he has done for her personally. Notice her spirit. She, call, she refers to herself as being in a humble state. She was. It reminds me of the message I preached in Philippians chapter 2 about the humility of Jesus and how that is a desire that God, that's a quality that God desires very much for his people. God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. I think a characteristic of Mary that we clearly see through this story is humility. I think it's something for us to to also be encouraged by and to, to contemplate our humility towards God. Just like Jesus, we read in Philippians 2, one day every knee will bow and tongue confess that Jesus is Lord. We're not worshiping Mary, but certainly God raised Mary up right? He used her in a very powerful way because of her humility. 
So again, our first focus in a season where it is so easy to focus on everything else should be on God and what he has done for us. That was Mary's focus in her song. That needs to be our focus in our song. What has God done for you? Part two. So part one, Mary praised God for what he had done for her. Part two, Mary glorified God for his power, holiness, and mercy. Verses 49 and 50. For the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. So part two is Mary glorifying God for who he is. His power, his holiness, and mercy. Something that I was reminded of as I was studying this passage is the, the little attention I pay to God's holiness. God is holy. You know how I know I miss that? Because I tolerate sin in my life. If you and I truly had the right perspective of a holy God, then it would cause us to look at sin and hate it as we should. And often that's not the case for me. God is holy and powerful. Think about all the miracles that we see in the Christmas story of God bringing about all of these events exactly how he planned them shows power. And obviously Luke in his gospel goes through the entire life of Christ and eventually his death, burial, and resurrection. That is God's power. And he praises God for who he is. And then mercy. Amen for mercy, right? It's the balance, right? We know that God is holy and that he hates sin, and we need to hate sin, but we mess up. But praise God, he's also merciful. The Greek word here is elias for, for mercy. It is a translation of the Hebrew word chesed. It's one of my favorite words. It basically means that God is loyal and loving to his people. He keeps his promises. God is faithful. And so I'm so thankful that God has been faithful to me in my life. He is faithful when I confess my sin to forgive my sin and to cleanse me. God is faithful. Really, if you think about it, the, the whole story of Christmas is about God's faithfulness, right? His love for his people, his mercy. He sent his son to ultimately sacrifice his life for your sins and for mine. What better time of year to celebrate than Christmas and Easter, what God has done for us? So Mary first praised God for what he had done for her, and then she glorified God for who he is, his power, his holiness, and his mercy. Let's look at part three. Part three, Mary reflected on God's power in reversing certain social conditions. 
Let's look at verses 51 to 53. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. She reflected on God's power reversing certain social conditions. Now this especially focuses on Israel in the Old Testament. Think about all the times in the Old Testament when their situation changed drastically based on what their relationship with God was. God has power to do that. God had power to raise up a king like David, a king like Solomon, to lead Israel into a time of prominence. He also has the power to reverse that. God has the power to change certain social conditions. I know we live in a world today where we often see, we reflect on the world around us and we think, man, it seems like the wicked are prospering. It seems like God's people are being put down and destroyed. And we think, God, do something. Do something. Step in, intervene. On behalf of our brothers and sisters, make a change in the world. Bring corrupt people to justice. And that's what we cry out for God to do. God changing all of that, in many ways, starts right here at Christmas, right? What does Isaiah 9, 6, and 7 say? For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulders. God is planning on totally changing the world. His son is going to come back. He is going to establish his kingdom on the earth forever. At that point, the mighty and the rich will be cast out, and the humble, those who follow Jesus and serve him, will be raised up. It's an exciting time of year to not only think about what Jesus did before in coming to earth, at the miracle that occurs at Christmas, but also it's a looking ahead to what Jesus will, is going to do someday. It's an exciting time to think about the future, to think about Jesus ruling and reigning on the earth. We can read about it in Revelation 19 and 20 when he comes back and he establishes kingdom and he raises up rulers to rule alongside him from among his people. It's an exciting time. And so Mary looked back on Israel's history. We can look to the future and recognize that God has the power to reverse certain social conditions. And that someday all of it will be made right. Then finally, part four. Part four, Mary recalled God's mercy on his people. Verses 54 and 55. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, even as he said to our fathers. 
Again, focusing back on this idea of hesed, this loyal love, this covenant-keeping love, this faithful love that God shows his people. Mary finishes her song reflecting on, recalling how God has been consistently faithful to Israel. Sometimes that faithfulness requires discipline. And other times we see mercy. But we see God's faithfulness. As I thought about Mary reflecting on her people of Israel, as we look back to the Old Testament, I thought about um, through the last period of time that we have experienced as a church how we've seen God still be faithful to us. God is still faithful. He is the same God. The same God that stayed faithful to Israel, the same God that stays faithful to us in our individual lives is the same God that will stay faithful in our church here. That's an encouraging thought. As we think about uh, the pastoral search team and the mission that they're on, the commitment they, are, that they have to pray and find uh, a man that would lead us into the future in the direction that God would have us, what a tremendous time for us to see and enjoy God's faithfulness through this process. That's exciting. It's exciting to think about that God is faithful. And Mary looks back and she recalls God's mercy on his people. What a lesson from Mary, right? Look at this song. Just, I, I've read it over and over again over the past couple of weeks, and it's just been such a blessing for me as a young woman. You know, some, some scholars would say she's as young as 13, 12 even at this time. We don't know exactly how old she was, but she was not old. <laughs> she was not my age. She was younger than me. But the tremendous faithfulness that she had, the love that she had for her father, the love that she had for his word, it's incredible. What an example to us. I know I asked you what your favorite Christmas song is. I hope that this will shoot up to the top of the list. Let's get to the application. What is your Christmas song? Here's what I'm going to ask you to do. Before we get into this, I want, I'm going to ask you to do something this week. You might think it's bizarre. You might not. Hopefully you think, man, this is awesome. I'd love for each family, each individual, uh, couple, family with their kids, to write your own Christmas song. That's my challenge for you today. Write your own Christmas song. Now, here's what I want you to do with that. Hopefully, you take up this challenge and you follow through with this. I want you to send it to Ashley at our church. I want to share some of our songs with our church family over the next few weeks through this series. I'll be preaching again next week, and I'd love to be able to put up on the wall for us to see other people's Christmas songs. You can do it anonymously. 
You can share your name. We'll share with the church family. Either way is fine. But I want each of us to think about what is your Christmas song? Now, these steps that I'm going to give you uh, coincide with Mary's song, right? This is our template that we're going to be using for writing our song. So this is my challenge to you. Step one, praise God for what he has done for you. So Mary did, right? I'd love for you to write these steps down too so that we can uh, be sure to follow through with this application to write down our own Christmas songs. And I'd also encourage you, put it on the fridge or somewhere, right? Put it somewhere in your house where people are going to see it, walk past, say, wow, this is our family's Christmas song. This is what we want to remember during this time of year with all the distractions that it has. So step one, praise God for what he has done for you. Oh, something I know, this, I, keep, I keep getting off track, I know. I just keep thinking of really good ideas in my head. You know, something that, that people often do this time of year is send Christmas cards, right? And a lot of times what they'll do is maybe you do the same thing. They'll kind of give a synopsis of the, the year. Right, what has happened in our family over the past year? Like, steal from that and write your own Christmas song, right? How easy is that, right? You've already done the work. But now it's just recognizing God and all that he's accomplished through your family this past year. What, what a great thing to do every year. And every year you can look back and pull out your Christmas songs every year and see, well, what, how is God faithful to us this year, and then the next year, and then the next year? I think this is really cool. <laughs> I hope you do too. Because Step two, glorify God for his power, holiness, and mercy. Just like Mary did. Glorify God for his power, holiness, and mercy and mercy. Step three, reflect on God's power in reversing certain social conditions. Maybe you've experienced a period of humbling this past year. Maybe you've experienced a time of bounty this past year and God's blessing. Write about it. Have you seen God move in your family? Maybe there was something that God had to correct, and so maybe he brought in trials and difficulties, and he flipped your world upside down. Certainly Wesley being added to the Whitmer's family, right? That's certainly a, a switch, right, in what, in what was happening. And then step four, recall God's mercy on his people. I would encourage you with this step to include your immediate family. Your home. How have you seen God's mercy in your home over the past year? I mean, I think we can do this. <laughs> I think this is doable. Now, you know, it doesn't have to be, you know, uh, iambic pentameter. Is that a real thing? Uh, it doesn't have to rhyme or anything, you know? This isn't about how fancy you can make it. This is about how honestly you can examine all that God has done for you and through you and for you over the past year. 
So as we think about this time of year, as we think about all the distractions that come, as we think about uh, all the Christmas music we listen to, as we think about these four songs from Scripture that we're going to be looking at, again, the question I want to leave you with today is, what is your Christmas song? What is the message of your life that you can share with those around you during this season. And again, I would encourage you this week to spend some time with your family, your spouse, by yourself. Write your own Christmas song and then share it with us. We want to see what people's songs are. And I hope that this will, this will be a huge blessing to all of us as we go throughout our year. So again, what is your Christmas song? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for Mary and the great example she is for us and what it means to be your servant, to humbly follow where you would lead us. Father, we thank you for the song that she presents to us, that she delivers, and, and all of the things that are in the song. We thank you that she recognized what you had done for her. We thank you that she recognized who you are in your power and holiness and mercy. Father, we, we thank you that she recognizes the fact that you can change things. You can flip circumstances, Father. And Father, we just thank you that she recognized that you are faithful to your people. And so, Father, we just reflect on that this morning. We pray that as we go about our week and contemplate what our own Christmas songs are, that it would be a blessing to us and our families to share what God has been doing in our lives. Father, we pray that it would be a blessing to our church family to read and hear about all that you have done for us. Father, we thank you for how you work in our lives. We thank you for this time of year where, where people are open to, to the gospel, to having conversations. And Father, I pray that we would look for those opportunities to share our song, to share what you have done for us. Father, we're just so thankful for this opportunity to look at your word, to be encouraged by it. And Father, most importantly, we thank you so much for your Son, whom you sent to the earth to be born of Mary, to live a perfect life, to die on the cross for our sins, and to rise again. Father, we're so thankful for Jesus. We're thankful for the gospel. We thank you for your word that teaches us about you. Father, I pray that you would be our focus during this time of year. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.